Hello, it is Monday, September 14th. We got a show. Overreactions, birthday wishes, holy shit, great guests. Let's get to it. And today is my beautiful mother's birthday. So I'd like to start with saying happy birthday, Sally McAfee. I appreciate you for everything that you've ever done for me, not not including birthing me. I hope you have a fantastic day. You're the absolute best. Now, yesterday, we got to watch NFL football for 11 hours. 11 hours of the best thing on earth. And today, we'll overreact on this overreaction Monday to everything we saw, everything we heard, including... The fake fans, the this, the that, the that, the that, and everything we thought from week one. Now, and before we get to overreacting about week one, I'd like to take a moment to chat about the one thing that stuck out to me that I'm not sure anybody else is talking about. The conversation early in the offseason was the plethora of quarterbacks that are going to be finding new homes. Those quarterbacks were rather unsuccessful yesterday, believe it or not. Was it because of the lack of OTAs and, or the lack of the ability to get together in large groups due to a worldwide pandemic? Or was it because it just naturally takes some time to build up a rapport in a new setting? Tom Brady, who will forever be judged on how he does in Tampa without old Billy Belichick, takes an L yesterday. Throws two picks in the process, one of which was a pick six, and Bruce Arians, the head coach, said both were his fault, and it was apparently he and his team weren't on the same page. Yet Joey Burrow, new home, back home in Cincy, loses but was incredibly impressive in the process. Bill Rivers, $25 million a year with the Colts, throws two picks yesterday in a loss to a team that everybody on earth thought was tanking. <laughs> they're bad picks too. I would assume both his fault, but they're not on rapport yet. Teddy Bridgewater, New Home in Carolina, takes an L. A lot of folks are saying they should have given the ball to Christian McCaffrey on that fourth and like a half yard, but... I'd like to take a moment to think about whether or not their previous QB would have picked that up. Speaking of that previous QB, he was the only one who had a new home who got a win yesterday. He was also with the team that he got a win with for the shortest amount of time. He was also the one who had less than 20 pass attempts, and he was the only one who was turned down by all of those other teams, all of them. Could have had Cam Newton, they decided not to. Bill Belichick proves yet again that he's the best coach to ever coach football. All those other QBs are great. They all got paid much more than Cam, and we assume they'll all get it figured out with their respective teams and their respective offenses. But if we were to ask before the weekend, if only one quarterback that has a new home was to win this weekend, which one would it be? I'm not sure how many people would have said Cam Newton, but that man was unemployed for 86 nights, and he ended up in the only place that knows how to win games no matter what. Cam looked unbelievable. Now, every other team that paid their new quarterback much more money than Cam has to sit in a meeting today and go, damn, Bill Belichick did it again. Cam Newton is one of the five quarterbacks that have a new home that got a win yesterday. The other four lost, and a lot of people are saying it's their fault. It's going to take a while to build up a rapport. We all understand that. But it's our time now to overreact to 
everything that happened yesterday, including Cam Newton Hell to the yeah. Patriots on whether or not they're going to be stoppable. Are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a team that just stinks? Is the Carolina Panthers ever going to make the right decision? This is Overreaction Monday, and all the boys are here. At Tone Diggs is here rocking a Steelers hoodie because tonight on Monday Night Football, traveling into New York Giants, Danny Dimes is home. They're five-and-a-half-point favorite. How you feeling, Diggs, after week one's weekend has concluded? I like Danny Dimes. I like Saquon. You know, I, I like Joe Judge, but they are running to an absolute fucking buzzsaw tonight, and that's Steelers defense. Well, and that's Steelers defense, and also an offense has Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. who's Ooh. no longer focusing on anything outside of football, mm-hmm. just football and his family. The Steelers, I think, are who I'm hammering tonight, but I Ooh. could be convinced by callers who might be diehard Ooh. Giants fans. Okay. Also here at Boston Connor, who for a couple days after Tom Brady decided to leave the Patriots and Kyle Van Noy and the offensive line coach and the special teams coordinator. And there was a couple days there where this kid who's 25 years old, who has only celebrated the Patriots, has never seen them not be great. Mm -hmm. There was a couple days of doubt from this guy on what was going to happen to the Patriots. He was thinking about becoming a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Actually bought the jersey because Tom Brady went there. Not true. Then after 86 nights of unemployment, Bill Belichick pulls a rabbit out of the hat, signs Cam Newton for less money than everybody else, and now they're sitting at 1-0. And although everybody on the internet's like, well, it was the Dolphins, it was the Dolphins at Boston Connor. Patriots fans have to be loud right now, knowing that Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, that old-ass man Ernie in the sky, and Cam Newton are going to be able to figure it out. Plus, on the defensive side of the ball, still Bill Belichick's big brain and Gilly Lock will not be letting anything happen at nope. Boston Connor. You got to feel good. I feel good. I'm not going to blow my load after the first week. You know, we only beat the Dolphins, but it's clear we're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be tough to stop us. And of course, we control the ball. Time of possession, we had 34-12. I mean, it was a great day to be a Patriots. And I put out a tweet yesterday that Cam Newton scored another touchdown for that team that everybody hates after being unemployed for 86 days and signing for less than everybody else. And I got a lot of tweets. That were like, of course he has, of course he has. But then scattered in there on a pretty regular occasion, it was like, no, no, we actually like the Patriots now. We, we mm. want Cam Newton to succeed, mm-hmm. which is a very weird thing because I found myself yesterday watching that game, and I'm a Ryan Fitzmagic guy. Oh, yeah. Brian Flores, uh, uh, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins, he chewed out a ref last year. He's a, he's a guy I like. Mm-hmm. But when I saw Cam Newton succeeding after everything that had happened this past offseason, and maybe it's because I jumped on his side immediately mm-hmm. upon seeing the first iconic saga production, which was a video of him saying, like, basically, I've never been in this position before, and somebody is going to get, I'm coming at your neck or at your Mm -hmm. throat, he was saying. I was like, oh, this guy's going to dominate. Watching him succeed yesterday was a lot of fun for me, and I am not a Patriot fan, and I think a lot of people were thinking that yesterday. How's that feel as a masshole, knowing that it feels like there's some people actually pulling for you guys? Uh, Honestly, I hate it. Um, Anybody who's pulling for the Patriots now, if you weren't with us five years ago, you know, you can fuck right off, but I do appreciate the love (laughs) that Cam Newton and New England and Bill Belichick specifically are getting, because now that you know, Timmy Tom, whatever the hell his name is, is in Tampa. Uh, it feels much better. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about old Tommy Foxborough down there in Tampa. He, New Orleans Saints. By the way, whenever they jogged on that field and the place was like empty, it was like, that'd be pretty cool just to rent out the Superdome and be like, all right, I'll bring my team, you bring your mm-hmm. team, let's play. That's kind of what it was. Uh-huh. Because, by the way, Drew Brees and Tom probably set for four divisional games here that will be talked about for a long, long time. Last night was the first one. Drew obviously beats the hell out of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But uh, 
what's that Buccaneer team going to look like in five, six weeks? Yeah. That is a real question. That is a very good question that people should ask. But at the current moment, Tom has no idea what's going on. This is no. overreaction Monday. <laughs> the Buccaneers stink. Bruce Arians hates them. They're never going to figure it out. Bill Belichick 1-0. Tom Brady 0-1. He will never be remembered as being the greatest quarterback of all time because without Bill Belichick, he hasn't been able to do it. That's what overreaction Monday is all about. At Ty Schmidt, speaking of overreacting, uh, Aaron Rodgers MVP, it yep. sure feels yep. like that's inevitable. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he did during his MVP years. Still a couple drops here and there. I mean, like the Packers, they the the score doesn't indicate how much of a blowout it was. Like, yeah. Rodgers should have thrown two more touchdowns. The defense is still Swiss cheese. I mean, we, we kind of knew that, but they were opportunistic. But yeah, Rodgers, some of those throws he was making yesterday, I mean, you could tell. He has. He's just absorbed every all the bullshit people have said <laughs> all offseason. And, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he throws 60 touchdowns. Primetime Kirk, is he dead? That's what Overreaction oh, no. Monday's all about. Vikings stink. Season's uh, over. Uh, I don't know. They got a big get-back game next week uh, against the Colts, I believe. Yeah. Oh, is. Yeah. is that right? Colts. We'll overreact to that, too. I, I mean, Joe Dirt. Had an interception. <laughs> okay, that put Philip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts to bed. Now, granted, there was a drop for a first down. I understand that by Ty, who's normally very short-handed. But that defense, Gardner Minshew had one incompletion. He went 19 of 20 yesterday. He becomes the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to have above 95 percent passer rating and all, or passer complete. It was unbelievable. That team with no, I didn't know a single person on the fucking team. Miles Jack, I guess I mm-hmm. knew him. Gardner Minshew, we knew him. Everybody else, I had no idea who they were. Josh Lambeau, I saw you with the golf swing after you hit a 50-yard field goal. That was probably to shove it down my throat about everything I've been saying about the Jaguars. He's an incredible kicker. Logan Cook, great punter. But aside from that, I knew nobody, and they get a win over the Colts. But Minnesota Vikings have a pretty good bounce-back game against the Colts next week. Mm-hmm. Will primetime Kirk be officially dead, or will the Colts be dead? That's what we're going to be overreacting to next week. Yeah. Can't wait for that conversation. But Aaron Rodgers, the whole first half even, whenever they weren't blowing him out yet mm-hmm. he just looked like a maestro he, he was like in control he was doing this he was doing that there was no real big mistakes he looked very comfortable the entire time he was laughing at more than numerous occasions even after failed downs mm-hmm. him and harrison smith had a moment wherever he was about to run in do i run do i not run do i run and then afterwards him and harrison smith laughing back and forth we'll have him on the show by the way aaron Rodgers tomorrow yeah! i don't know how long we'll be talking i hope long there's a lot happening in aaron Rodgers' life right now and one of them is being absolutely dominant at football he looks unbelievable and that Vikings defense by the way good defense yeah definitely and Aaron Rodgers was very comfortable yesterday they're young and and, I mean he he did he just uh, a couple of the throws that they converted yesterday were the kind of throws they were missing last year like there was the one right before halftime where he throws the 50-yard bomb for a touchdown like those plays for whatever reason weren't connecting last year they were yesterday so I'm very confident going forward uh at Jason McAfee 412 is here he was at a wedding all weekend oh Uh, yeah not his not his somebody else's congrats Mm -hmm. to Jerry uh, at Evan Foxy is here. Sitting next to at Evan Foxy is nobody. Whoa. Nobody. Wait a minute. What the hell? What? Did oh. the Chicago Bears win a game? MVP Mitch come back in the fourth quarter and Zito decide to quit? No, 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 no. No, no. No, 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 no. Mm. No, no. The Lions stink, by the way. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Saints. The Lions stink. Lions, Pat. Uh, I mean, it is. That is a tough. Before we even dive into yeah. that, Matt Patricia gave one of the most savage answers I've ever heard an NFL coach give. Uh, but on the flip side of that, MVP Mitch, 
fourth quarter Mitch, comeback Mitch. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky seems to be all the way back in a person who has never dotted Mitchell Trubisky, who has been celebrating and dancing on Foxy's grave all morning, <laughs> has been moved out of the engine room into the big room at Viva Lazito. you got to be feeling damn good about the Bears. Bear die! Uh, all day, baby. Let's go. Mitchell Trubisky, first three quarters, looked like a junior high quarterback. Yes, fourth yeah, quarter, yeah. he was unstoppable. Will, this is, by the way, same Mitchell Trubisky story. Two years ago, number three overall QBR for the entire season. Field goal gets blocked. They don't get to extend in the NFC uh, playoffs. Last year, bad football player. Just yeah. very bad at football. Couldn't throw. Couldn't hit anybody. For the first three quarters, it looked like last year yeah. was the Mitchell Trubisky. Then the fourth quarter comes around, and he just pulls his pants down and OBJs <laughs> on the Detroit Lions <laughs> like it was no big deal. Is Mitchell Trubisky back? And a lot of people are tweeting he was never here, but boy, what a fourth quarter for the Chicago <laughs> Yeah, Bears. that's what happens when we have no preseason games. He treats uh, the first three quarters oh, as smart as preseason smart. games. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's very, very smart, by yeah. the way. Gotcha. Very smart. Uh, Zito will be the voice of the internet. He'll be reading through the YouTube comment section and the tweets that will utilize the hashtag Pat McAfee Show Live to tweet alongside the show. Your questions, your thoughts, your polls that Zito has a poll going on right now. Yeah. Paul, what's, what's the poll you have right now? Uh, best quarterback that played yesterday. And who was it? Uh, it was Mr. Unlimited, obviously. Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and of course Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, okay, because, because it's not. Let's not have in there Kyler Murray. Who? No, who, no, 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 no. Let's no, not have him. That. Let's have Mitchell Trubisky yeah, in yeah, there yeah. as yeah. the number four overall. He had the greatest QBR for fourth quarter. No big deal. Yeah, one quarter, four quarter game. But I like it's your poll. It's not yeah. our poll. Thank you thank you very will much. keep us updated on that on the internet. And I'm thankful to have you in the big room. By the thank way, you so much. Hell yeah, Let's see you thank back. You, you know, because you know sometimes gets bogged down with things oh, back yeah. there, and we don't get a chance to hear that beautiful brain too much. Mr. Mansuri back there, Gumpy back there, Nick Moraldo back there, Billy Tubes back there. And it's a beautiful absolutely beautiful September 14th Ian Rappaport will join us in about nine minutes a lot of injury updates I would assume uh, it is alleged that Troy Vincent sent a strongly worded memo <laughs> to every NFL team about coaches mask um, usage during mm -hmm. games and you if you're watching yesterday it was very obvious that when coaches were on TV, whenever you first got on TV, no mask was on. Okay, I'm talking. They can't hear what I'm saying. It's hard to breathe in this thing. <laughs> what are we doing? Everybody's been tested here. Yep. There's a lot of that going on. And then somehow, some way, they would relay a message to the coach, hey, you're on TV. And they'd pull that son of a bitch up so fast. <laughs> Sean Payton actually got snot all over his thing because <laughs> he had to pull it up so fast. So you could tell that the NFL had told the coaches, you have to have the mask on. And I think a lot of coaches were trying but all coaches inevitably at the end of the day care about is winning football games you know what helps winning football games having easy communication to whoever you got to talk to <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what hurts that just having your mouth completely covered because 80 percent of communication is nonverbal. doesn't fucking matter anymore listen to the words that i'm saying not the movement of my lips it was quite a moment i guess troy vincent has told everybody they need to keep their masks on i'll see how that gets dealt mm -hmm. with next week i would assume andy reed's uh <laughs> yeah, face shield. windshield oh. is probably yeah. going to be the thing that people start mm -hmm. using yep. even though i don't know how that would block no. anything yeah by the way at all anything at all I, I get it that i guess they're wearing a shield in front of their face but if it's really to trap everything in and remember remember uh the athletic one that's all cotton not not a good enough mask oh, right that mask is not good enough then the masks that have little breathing things so you don't die Can't not good it. enough uh the ones though that are n95 masks that bill belichick wore by the way yeah. with zero anything <laughs> glorious on. most bill belichick move of all time those are the only acceptable ones so then whenever you see the the wind 
windshield on people. It's like, well, is that that that's acceptable? Well, well, it's better than nothing. Which, and then there's all you get into the conversation of, well, which masks are good, which masks aren't good, which masks work. Can this thing even spread from the mouth? Who knows? We no, don't even don't know. know. What if somebody touches that windshield of Andy Reid? <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! Like what happens? Oh, Do they no. get it? Ah, oh, what a clusterfuck! But. NFL weekend was awesome. I'm so pumped up about it. Diggs, you're big. Oh, let's get to the sidebar, please. We got a lot of things to talk about. Let's please put that. Big day, overreaction Monday. That's our day. Tommy Foxborough. Let's talk about Tom Brady before we have to get to a break because Ian Rappaport will be joining us in about seven minutes, six minutes. Tommy Brady, okay? Tommy Brady came out. I thought he looked pretty good. Dropped a couple balls in a bucket, threw some deep balls. It was like, okay, Tom likes what's going on there. Ronald Jones, by the way, absolute monster. Leonard Fournette did not look good. Ronald Jones looked incredible. O.J. Howard had a catch in in the end zone. O.J. Howard at one point wanted a trade, by the way, because he heard Gronk was potentially coming. Speaking of Gronk, not his best appearance. He's been out of the game for a little bit. Let's see what happens. I think preseason games would have helped him. But, boy, Tom Brady's pick whenever he he thought Mike Evans was going to zig, Mike Evans zags. Bruce Arians comes out afterwards and said, eh, yeah, Mike Evans saw the right coverage. Tom didn't. <laughs> so that's, Tom's going to learn on that. Mike Evans has been in this mm-hmm. offense for longer than Tom Brady. Then the other pick, he was late. Uh, Janoris Jenkins jumped that thing. There was a lot of things I would assume to improve on, but I think everybody says that's what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady's a worker. He'll get in there. But it feels like that Saints team didn't miss a fucking beat. They are back, and they are still a buzzsaw. A lot of people on ESPN this morning, Dan Orlovsky, who will be joining us probably in the next couple days said drew Brees' arm looked like a fucking noodle arm. <laughs> oh, not gonna be able to do it but i still think that team in new orleans is great i think Tampa bay buccaneers figure it out and i think ultimately in the end they'll be the team that goes the longest in the playoffs out of the nfc south it's hard it's hard to tell because like the saints defense was incredible last year so is it the saints defense or or is it the bucks offense not looking great but because of it's because it's overreaction monday Tommy stinks. Tom, yeah, overreaction Monday. Jeez. A lot of Tom Brady stinks. A lot of Tom Brady can't win without Belichick. Mm-hmm. A lot of Tom Brady. Yeah. A lot of Tom Brady is not going to have any success outside of being Tommy Foxborough. But I would like to say and have a little cooler heads prevail here. Let's wait just a few fucking weeks, yeah. can we? Saints are very Let's good. Let's just wait a few weeks, okay? The Saints have everybody back. Yeah. Sean Payton actually said, we're not doing any Zoom calls, all right? I'll just see you guys at training mm-hmm. camp. We already know each other, right? Yeah. We know Kyle Rudolph pushed off last year? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we know the year before that something terrible happened, the, the pass interference. We know that, right? Yep. We know the year before that was the Minneapolis miracle. We all know that, right? Okay. Everybody get in fucking shape. I'll see you at training camp. <laughs> yeah. That's what Sean Payton said. Well, everybody else was trying to do Zoom calls, and Tom Brady was trying to jump into parks i mean there's a lot of potential overreaction against the buccaneers and i assume that's what today is all about but that saints team is that saints team is very tight yeah just like we saw the chiefs the chiefs have a lot of uh continuity from last year Mm -hmm. you see the saints have a lot of continuity from last year a team that does have a lot of continuity from last year that ended up losing the 49ers are they in trouble are they dead are they in trouble are the san francisco 49ers in trouble Uh, So sorry to interrupt here, but boys and ladies, it's all about convenience. Cutwater helps bring real alcohol drinks with you into the real world with their canned cocktails. These are not all these weird seltzers you see everywhere right now where you don't know if you're drinking rubbing alcohol or not. Oh, no. They are actual vodka sodas, actual gin and tonics, actual Bloody Marys. And we had the Bloody Marys the day after our wedding, my lady and I, because Connor brought them to the wedding at the end of the night whenever they cut everybody off. 
And let me tell you, they were a lifesaver. Instead of having to get up and get all the ingredients and mix all the bullshit you want for a perfect Bloody Mary or any other drink you could possibly want at a time where you can't really get to bars or bartenders, Cutwater has it all figured out. This is actually why they became our sponsor, because they saved our life throughout this quarantine. No joke. Once I had them, I was hooked. It was the most clutch drink I have ever had. Real alcohol, real convenience. Go grab some cut water today. The boys love them. Boston Connor carries around a pack of these things everywhere he goes, and people say he's a goddamn hero for it. You'll be a hero, or your mouth will say you're a hero for buying cut water in a world that can't open Open a can of cut water and enjoy your life. I felt good about that right there. You see what I just did? Cut water is pretty awesome. Let's get back to the show, and we appreciate them for being a sponsor. Uh, joining us now is a man who's an insider for NFL Network and NFL.com, hosts a podcast called Rap Sheet and Friends, and was also a part of my retirement from the NFL skit whenever I joined Barstool Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. What's up? Ian, what's going on? uh, I must say that retirement was one of the great moments of my career. (laughs) You know what? You walked in, obviously, punked me, said you were looking for Goodell as you walked out. But you sat on that news for like 11 hours or whatever, and I thank you for that. But I also think it was because you didn't think it was that big of a news. It was kind of a slap in my face. So I don't really know. (laughs) I would say the main thing about it, I had to time it when the show was actually airing and, you know, to take people a little behind the curtain. Not everything we do is live. I mean, this is live, but that skit was not live. So I had to time it right when it aired on TV. Um, And I was at a party. I had, you know, had a drink, (laughs) one, just to be social, nothing more. And I literally almost forgot about it, set an alarm for myself and was like, what in the world could I have possibly set an alarm for at like 11.32 p.m.? Oh, wait, Pat's retiring. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, I appreciate you for being a part of that. You've always been very cool to us, except for whenever you dunked on Connor the oh, other yeah. day. Yeah. Who, Thanks <laughs> a lot, Is he here? He made it? <laughs> no, he had a rough weekend. He had a rough weekend. He hit himself yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. All right, rap sheet. All right, forget that. Let's I, get- I, I got I to gotta be honest. Like, So, you know, I'm buddies with Tom Pelissero and, yeah, and Mike Garofolo, another one of my uh, – part of our reporter team. Great guys, great reporters. Um, we shared a moment of solidarity <laughs> when Tom absolutely destroyed you last week. I mean, I piled on. Oh. Uh, and I would say – no offense or anything, but – uh, I would say Garofolo, we didn't hear from Garofolo, but I know silently he was fist pumping as well. Uh, look, I'm just glad you have a lot of pride to be able to show up. <laughs> yeah, all right, you geek. Just get to the goddamn interview. Jesus. <laughs> all right, Ian. Uh, thank you for everything you just did right there. That was very, very awesome. We'll talk about that for days to come, especially on Wednesday when we don't have shit to talk about. But uh, let's talk. Let's start there. Boston Connor. Knew it. He was bummed until he saw the New England Patriots play the way they played. Cam Newton goes 15 of 19 with one drop from Julian Edelman. Then there's a little bit of an exchange. He's, Cam Newton, after the game, says that they were trying to uh, yank his chain, break his chain. Then he goes and does his interview. You hear Bill Belichick do a classic pro, uh, pro game press conference about what the games remind him practice, and they moved on. What are you hearing about New England? Because today, everybody's like, well, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. What's the word out of that building today? I would assume they've got to be thrilled. And now you they haven't even we haven't even kind of tasted what they're going to do with cam newton for the rest of the year 
Yeah, I mean, I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse of it. And, you know, it's weird. Like, I have felt – I mean, look, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time, so I don't mean to say the Patriots were looking to move away from Brady. They were certainly not. But I have always kind of felt in my gut that the Patriots wanted to embrace some of the newer concepts Mm. of the NFL, basically what college has been doing, with running quarterbacks, with creating favorable matchups, fun with numbers, all the sorts of things you get to do if you can have a quarterback who can really run – and kind of be smart doing it. You know, the kind of ball handling things that Ah. Cam does, you know, making the defender read, taking the ball out. Uh, Dak does a great job in in Dallas, too. I mean, these are the kinds of things that I really feel like the Patriots have wanted to do for some time, but because they had the greatest quarterback ever, they have not been able to. Um, That was a really fun and interesting thing to see. I don't know why it's not sustainable. I mean, aren't we past that where we say, like, oh, this running quarterback is going to get hit eventually. There's like 10 of them who are dominating the NFL right now. Like at some point you got to say, all right, like this is probably here to stay. Yeah. And the people that say that are stupid, Dan Orlovsky and, <laughs> yeah. and other people mm-hmm. like yep. that. I mean, they've been saying it for a long time and it's true. Every quarterback is one bad hit away, I guess, from being done. But those quarterbacks that just go ahead and park it in the pocket, they also get their knees run up on yeah. as well. I mean, it's a, Cam Newton is just a different level human at this point and he's playing great. But I think the Patriots, to your point, saw what Lamar Jackson was able to do with them last year and, and against them. And they kind of went into that whole thing. Let's talk about that Ravens-Browns game. The Ravens look better than ever. Lamar Jackson looks better than he looked last year. His throwing, I mean, he almost missed a guy wide open in the end zone. But aside from that, he was dropping the ball on a dime. He looked just as fast. And on the flip side, the Browns looked horrendous. I mean, they looked like a very, very, very bad football team. Baker Mayfield did not look great. Is there a conversation... Like, we've been saying it, but we know nothing about anything. Like, Baker Mayfield has to play good football this year. He's no longer an NFL quarterback, right? And how long is the leash you think the new GM, new head coach, and everybody has on Baker in this overreaction Monday that we're having here week one? Yeah, I mean, overreaction is right because it is just one game. um, But it was not a good game. I mean, and I think the problem is, you know, for Baker, look, number one pick, all the talent in the world, um, the kind of guy with, you know, enough swag and confidence you'd like him to be the face of your franchise um great actor great last Mm -hmm. year and i know that kevin stefanski coming in one of the things he wanted was for baker to be in better shape and be more ready to play football and then you get to the first game and you know he wasn't accurate he didn't play well and i think the team as a whole didn't play well um i don't know how troubling it is but if it keeps happening it will be troubling because you know what you said is right it's a new GM. It's a new coach. You know, you're, you love the quarterback that you inherited, especially when they got taken number one. But at some point, not now, but at some point if they don't perform, you've got to think about some things because, you know, it's, it's professional and jobs are on the line and you just need – I mean, you need a quarterback to come in and play well. Um, I don't know what's next. I just know it needs to improve. There's no way the Browns are this bad. Um, mm. I think it's possible mm. the Ravens are really good. Funny, hey, but we're going to get a real good glimpse of them on Thursday. Funny you said that because I actually put up a poll yesterday that has over like 33,000 votes on my Twitter. I said, so are the Ravens unbelievable or are the Browns just not good? 71.4% of the experts on Twitter, which by the way, <laughs> there are a plenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over 33,000 votes say the Browns just not good, Ravens are unbelievable. But I think the Ravens looked like 
unstoppable. I mean, they looked better than they looked last year. Now, granted, the Titans game in the playoffs, kind of a buzzkill, but everything else was, was great. Lamar didn't even skip a step. Now, let's talk about some injuries that happened yesterday because you are an insider and you know eh, more shit than anybody else, I'll say, because I feel like you do have a direct tap, which I can respect. Michael Thomas last night, that late roll-up, and I saw I saw there was a little bit of like a dance by him. Anytime somebody rolls on your ankles, and I'm, I'm not sure if he had his ankles taped or anything like that, which is even more insane for how good he's been if he hasn't had his ankle taped. He jogs over to this side. Then there's like kind of a report, Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, potentially hurt his ankle yesterday. What are you hearing on that situation, and what are some other injuries that we should definitely keep our eyes open as we go into gamble into week two? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about gambling, but just recreationally and for fantasy only, not for money. Although I guess gambling's legal now. So yeah, 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 yeah. Enough with the shit, Ian. You suit. All right, yeah, you suit. Anyway, yeah, all right. Um, so yes, uh, I don't know what the extent of Michael Thomas's injury is. I saw it. I'm checking on it. Um, I do not know a definitive word. I mean, it didn't look too serious, but then again, it's not my ankle. Um, so I think that's one that you know. hopefully we'll find out more kind of throughout today. Um, Marlon Mack is going to be out for the season, the starting running back for the Colts. Not good. You know, he is not a big-name player, uh, but he is really productive when he's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, he is. I mean, maybe if you have him in fantasy, you care, but I'm sure a lot of people didn't care about that news today. Oh. He is a very good player. Yeah, he's very important to a team that lost to a team that was trying to lose. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I saw that. What happened? <laughs> All right. Any other injuries? Le'Veon Bell, maybe? Huh? You want to talk about that? Let's- yeah, so Le'Veon Bell, he had a hamstring that he it did not look great. He's going to have an MRI later this afternoon. What's interesting now is, you know, if he's going to be out for two or three weeks, he could end up on IR because everyone could end up on IR this year. Uh, it's just a different it's a different deal because the short term IR. Two other big ones that happened last night. Uh, Blake Jarwin, tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, likely tore his ACL. He's got an MRI oh, later today. Uh, and then Leighton Vander Esch, one of the best young linebackers in the NFL, broke his collarbone oh. probably out about six weeks. Damn. How about uh, Kenny Clark? Kenny Clark for the Packers. Kenny Clark had a groin injury. That's another one we're checking. I believe he's got some tests in MRI today. Uh, no word yet on the severity. There's a couple, not a couple, there is a lot of groin and hamstring injuries today that Soft you're tissue. checking on. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing like checking another man's groin. So obviously, we're <laughs> going to keep you updated on that one. Well, you'll keep your nose to the resources, obviously. And that's why we appreciate everything you do, Ian. I just got a text message to remind me. There's some real Eagles drama, right? There's some real Eagles drama with Zach Ertz and then Dallas Goddard being the backup, having a big day, and then he and Howie Roseman allegedly got into an animated conversation because he has been a great tight end for the Eagles for a while now, won a Super Bowl for them, and now he's seeing all these other tight ends. Kittle got paid. Kelsey got extended. A lot of quarter. Austin Hooper just got paid, although he didn't get extended with the Falcons. He ends up on the Browns. What is that? Is that real? And I would assume after giving up a massive lead in the first half and losing in the second half to the Washington football team that does not help things get eased over even more no and you know the business the business side of things is always almost like a different animal than the actual playing I mean Zach Ertz is great the Eagles I think are going to be okay offensive line was not good Carson got hit a lot but I think they're going to be okay uh but yeah I mean so from my understanding Zach Ertz and general manager Howie Roseman were involved in a, a very animated conversation there was some frustration they hugged it out in the end got some oh you know, sort of got on the same page, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his contract, his future, whether or not they're going to extend him certainly seems unlikely now. That's going to continue 
to be a storyline this season. And part of the problem is, you know, they drafted maybe his replacement in Dallas Goddard, who had a big game yesterday. If you're the Eagles and it's, you know, are you going to give Zach Ertz a third contract? Are you going to trade him? That's, I know for fans, I mean, Zach Ertz is a fan favorite and has been one of the faces of that franchise. But that's actually a really difficult decision how to proceed. All right, we have a diehard Eagles fan in here. Your thoughts on this entire thing, Lou? We played a rugby player at right tackle for half the game. I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got. Like, let's just wait till next week. I mean, we played a rugby player at right tackle. How does the Eagles always end up hurt? It does feel like they always end up hurt. The entire left side of the line out. They had a rugby player playing right tackle for the second half. They got Zach Ertz and Howie Roseman fighting each other. And Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback. And he still somehow manages to keep them in games. Now, yesterday he didn't have a great second half. Obviously, he had a pretty bad second half. Right. But what is it with that Eagles team that just feels like they are just cursed. They win a Super Bowl, and then they're just cursed and cursed and cursed. Yeah, I mean, snake bit a little bit in the offensive line. It's going to be interesting to see how how Carson adapts here. I mean, he's obviously he's great. He's not going to have a lot of time. And we we saw, like, Patrick Mahomes, great player, was an MVP, probably doesn't need to improve on a ton. He got the ball out in two and a half seconds constantly on Thursday night. I wonder if we see the Eagles kind of, do that and adapt to that. Um, I, I don't know because at some point he can't drop back like he has been and keep getting hit, especially if this offensive line, um, especially if this offensive line is going to continue. Oh, 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 oh. what's got, happening? Uh-oh. What's the update? Right. Tell us what the update is. What? Let's go what? live Break on it. air right here. Break it. Say it. Let's do it. Um, say it. Say it. Say it. Do it. So no. Say it. Say it. Say it. I have to tweet before I say it. No, you don't. Oh! That's not true at all. That's okay, not true okay, at all. Okay, okay. That's no, no, no. I mean, it's – right, hold on, hold on. Here's the deal. I'm going to – I'm going to uh, – I'm going to tweet it now. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you. It, it's about – it's nothing major. It's Leighton Van Der Esch, clean break, out six to eight weeks, which we knew. He's going to have a surgery. Oh, um, surgery. Pat, I want to embarrass you right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to tweet while you tell a story. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Okay. So the thing about that Dallas Cowboys team <laughs> is just like every other year, they're being hyped up as if they are this great football team. Mike McCarthy comes in. He's a guy who's been there, done that. He has won games before. And now they got the clapper out. He's back in the Giants. Who knows how that's going to go tonight. But the Dallas Cowboys seem to be the same old story, the same old song and dance. Dak Prescott. Quarterback who played his best year of his life last year should have got broken off completely, everybody thought. Now we go into this game. Ezekiel Elliott's faster than he's ever been, seems to be bigger than he's ever been, has a tattoo on his stomach that says, feed me. He juked four people on one particular play. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, who are normally unbelievable, didn't say anything about it. And the reason they didn't say anything about it is because the Los Angeles Rams seem to be dunking on the Uh Cowboys all night. Jared Goff looked better than he's ever looked. The offense that Sean McVay was drawing up made it look very, very simple. There was a player that I didn't even know exists in their backfield running around yeah. who had black shoes on when everybody else was wearing anything with the brand new, uh, with the brand new uniform. Out of last game, out of last night's game, Van Der Esch out six to eight weeks. We just learned via six your tweet. Um, um, hey Pat, I want to ask you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to ask you a story. I said I was going to embarrass you. I'm going to embarrass you now. Okay, ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I heard a story. Oh boy. And you need to confirm this. All right. Tom Telesco was in law in San Diego. He was interviewing for the Chargers job. He had his second interview. He missed his son's career day. 
Can you take us from there? Yeah, so he had to go. uh, It wasn't career day. He had to read a book to the classroom. So it was like he had to read to his kid's classroom. Uh, Each parent was assigned a different week throughout the school year. Tom Telesco, who is the man who I've learned now was the reason why I got drafted. He's obviously the general manager for the Los Angeles Chargers. He watched me at the Meineke Car Care Bowl, which was my last senior game. I had like an hour warm-up where I was just kicking and kind of, you know, fucking around a little bit because it was my last game. And he, he was supposed to watch, I think, a key. Hicks uh, uh, there, and I think he was supposed to watch Pat White, Steve Slayton. He reports back to Bill Polian. Yeah, those guys are all good, but I think we found a guy who can punt. He just has a big leg, and he kicked for like two hours during the game or whatever. <laughs> so he gets me in there. He's the first person I meet in Indianapolis whenever I come out on a visit. I shake hands. Thank you. How's it going, Tom? Then whenever Tom gets the gig for the Chargers, obviously I'm happy for him. Everybody's happy for him. So I send him like a congratulatory text, like, hey, congrats. Have a good time out there. See you later. He goes, oh, thank you, Pat. Uh, I can't wait. to. It should be fun. Blah, blah. Great getting to know you then like four hours later i get a text back he's like hey uh by the way is there any way you could go read to my kids class tomorrow (laughs) because that's supposed to be me if you could just act like you're like uncle pat or whatever that'd be great so i go in there and i've never read a book in my life so i go in there i'm reading to them i leave i take off uh uncle pat just meets his nephews for the first time (laughs) i had no idea who the kid was and we kind of get out there yeah not embarrassing by the way big hero move out of me big because i don't really like kids i don't really like kids that much and it was a big day uh let's talk about the chargers chargers beat the uh bangles yesterday kicker misses kick uh for the bangles obviously uh it was tough he he allegedly has a calf strain is he healthy is he okay for the bangles or are the bangles currently looking for a kicker i mean they are not looking for a kicker from what i understand oh there's a um, lie oh, oh man. Geez, that's tough can't have it sorry pat i know you were looking to come out of retirement there no um, no, 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 no they I, it's not a cramp that. not a strain i think he's okay <laughs> look i don't know what happened um it didn't seem great uh, i know there's some frustration there and the problem is look i get it kickers are what they are um well, what the hell does that mean friends are kickers yeah the kickers are, are what they are yeah, insiders. i'm just saying like when the number one pick leads you down to tie the game and set you up for a chip shot that's tough. Not good. And I think he threw a touchdown right right before yeah, that. Green, yeah. And then OPI, there was yeah. OPI to get back to up. So Joe Burrow has a game-winning drive, by the way. In his first game, he is everything we thought he was. He's clutch. Oh, he's good. cool. He's confident. He's making passes. He's leading a team that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. And they're getting a big win opening week. And then all of a sudden, kicker blows the opportunity. Oh, Sambo man. song and dance. But when you have a cramp in your leg, think about it. When you get a cramp, you can't even walk. No. How is that guy supposed to make a kick when his entire body is cramping? That is what I want Ian Rapport to find out. We will follow him on Twitter for that. Ladies and gentlemen, the insider for NFL Network. Network host of Rap Sheet and Friends. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ian. Good stuff, man. I always enjoy it. Sorry I had to take a time out to tweet. It's no, okay. no, no. Thanks for breaking the news. Kind of on our show uh, immediately. Kind, f- kind of. There you go. That's a wow. great tweet right there. Look at that. As reported on Pat McAfee. Beautiful. Show. Hey, 206 retweets already. Not too shabby, pal. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. Hey, thank you, Ian. So sorry to interrupt. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor, Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides daily personalized insights to you on your sleep, recovery, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your daily activity and the normal stressors of your life. I get a chance to use Whoop leading into my wedding and then into my professional wrestling debut against Adam Cole, which, by the way, didn't end up in the fashion that we would have wished, but without that one, 
if you if you just take that match out, still an undefeated professional wrestler. And I would like to thank Whoop for getting me into the best shape of my life going into that moment. My wedding also, uh, they helped me look great there. But then an extra couple weeks for the wrestling, it made me look even better. And let me tell you what Whoop does. Whoop measures your heart rate. Whoop will tell you your uh, metabolic rate, so you know how much, how many calories you have to burn to keep losing weight. They'll tell you how your sleep was, like, hey, did I get good sleep? Did I not get good sleep? They'll tell you exactly how much you've had. They'll tell you what you did yesterday as opposed to today, so you can continue to get better. Whoop will just basically tell you everything you need to know about your body to make yourself better, make yourself healthier, and to keep it moving. I was very thankful for Whoop, and it's easy. You just put it on your wrist, then you go ahead and connect it with your uh, with the app, and bingo, bango, you know more about your body than you have ever wanted to know or ever thought you could know about your body to begin with. Take care of yourself with Whoop, and right now, they're offering 15% off when you use the code McAfee at checkout. Go to WHOOP.com and enter the code McAfee, M-C-A-F-E-E, to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today because what you might be doing might not be helping. Whoop will tell you. It's the greatest. Let's get back to the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, is a Super Bowl champ, a two-time Pro Bowler, and spent 11 years in the NFL, nine of them, with the 1-0 New Orleans Saints. Ladies and gentlemen, Roman Harper. Yeah, boy, Roman. Yo, yo, yo. What's good, guys? Hey, Sorry about that. Hey, no no problem. It's good to see that your neck is still as massive <laughs> as we saw it the last time. How have you been, How have you been, pal? Good, man. How about you guys? Um, I can't really complain, man. I'm trying to hit the gym here in a little bit before I go to go to work. So it's good. Well, I think you have to feel great about what the Saints did yesterday. Drew Brees and Tom Brady kick off their four-game series, divisional series, that we expect over the next couple years. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers did not look great. Couple picks, couple this. And the Saints look like the Saints. They always look like defense was flying around. Alvin Kamara was scoring. Drew Brees was doing his thing. What is some of your takeaways after yesterday's primetime key matchup? Well, I, I thought if Tampa Bay was going to get the game, it would have to be that one without the fans. It was just very new for everybody. Oh, yeah. But I, I wasn't surprised by a lot of things that I saw yesterday. I thought Tampa Bay's defense played a lot better than what people anticipated them to do. I thought the Saints' defense played lights out. They had the turnovers, the big plays. I thought offensively, the Saints, they still were a little bit methodical, but they got Alvin Kamara going. I think they have to figure out the whole one-two punch between the running back situation. I I think they're starting to do a better job with that. Sean Payton getting the play calling going. And it was just a big kiss my rear end when Sean Payton hit with the the, the last second, like the, the play in the fourth quarter to let Taysom Hill throw it back, back throw to uh, Alvin Kamara. I think that's going to pay dividends going forward. So I want to see how this whole thing, this rivalry is going to continue to ratchet up as we got the two best quarterbacks in the NFL that are still playing in the same division and they're going to we have to see this over and over but i think both of these teams will see them definitely in the playoffs and as, as we saw yesterday it's a lot of bad ball out there pat it's a lot of bad ball in the nfl and these two teams were not two of the teams that we say played ball bad ball yesterday okay so roman harper 11 years in the nfl super bowl champion pro bowler multiple times i was thinking that as well there was a lot of bad football yesterday a lot of people were like no the game is good the game has been good but i saw a lot of decisions being made that weren't great i saw a lot of things that were kind of off how long do you expect the feeling out period be for a couple of these teams that looked like absolute dog shit yesterday <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm thinking two to three weeks, but a lot of these teams can't dodge the dog shit. If you live in it, you live in it. And a lot of these teams 
are not able to get out of their own way. We saw Cincinnati find a way to lose the game. We saw Detroit Lions find a way to lose no. the game. We saw Carolina Panthers on fourth and one. You just paid a running back $16 million a year. Give it to your fullback. That's a question mark that you, you ask. Hey, Joe Brady, you're the man. You're a great play caller. Carolina was in that game yesterday, and we give it to Christian McCaffrey. Find a way to lose a game. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard to win games in the NFL, and we still see week after week teams finding ways to lose the game. The Jets did not look good. Uh, Cleveland was another team that looked really dysfunctional. They looked bad. They needed a preseason more than anybody, I feel like, looking back on it. A lot of these teams, they needed this practice time to at least, hey, this is how we're going to line up when we're warming up. This is how we're going to do stretch. (laughs) Not alone, not even talking about play calling and things like that, but just the little fundamentals that goes into winning a football game. Everybody thinks about the offensive side, how quarterback and a wide receiver might not be on the same page for the first couple weeks, but on the defensive side of the ball, it's a big deal too. If you've never actually been in live bullets, I would assume that that's a pretty monster ordeal. That's why whenever you see the Saints – Eat up, Tommy. I mean, they were eating him. And there was a couple of yeah, things. They were. That, there was a couple of balls that were dropped into a bucket from Tom Brady that I think if you're a Buccaneers fan, you're like, okay, whenever he figures out this offense where he's supposed to go, it's going to be good news. But that Saints defense seemed to be better than they've ever been potentially at this point. No, I really like what they have secondary-wise. Their secondary is what really stands out to me. That right now you can bring Malcolm Jenkins in and play him alongside uh demario davis and then you can bring in uh gardner johnson or he uh he goes by some other name now um and uh, and then you have you have dj swearinger and then you have the two corners that are really lights out and you got got williams in the marcus williams you had the interception but anytime you can hold their best receiver michael evans to one catch and that was on demario davis in the red zone that's a hell of a day, and I applaud the Saints for being able to go out there and do what they did yesterday. It was a great effort defensively, and that allowed for them, the defensive line, to eventually start to impact Tom Brady because we all know he does not like to get hit, and he's a statue sitting in the pocket. So if you can disrupt him timing-wise, and, and next you know he throws one bad ball, Janoris Jenkins pick six, that's all you need is a defense to try and help your team win that game and kind of swing the momentum, steal possessions. And you look up, that's how you won. That's how the Saints won that game yesterday. Whenever you were playing, long time, very successful, there's a lot of statues standing in that pocket. Okay, a lot of statues. <laughs> yeah. The game is changing. If you look at that Niners team, the defense led them for most of the year last year. Yesterday, they had problems with Kyler Murray. I mean, absolute <laughs> problems with Kyler Murray. Then you look at what the Patriots did with the Dolphins, and you look what Lamar Jackson was able to do. And Patrick Mahomes can extend plays. It feels like the game is changing right in front of our eyes, and NFL defenses are going to have to figure it the fuck out very, very quickly because (laughs) Kyler Murray was a problem yesterday for that 49ers defense, which has been heralded as maybe the greatest defense since the 85 Bears coming out of this whole thing. Yeah, but then you see what Kyler Murray can do in this type of offense where it's so spread out. He has a legit number one wide receiver. Oh, yeah. With all due respect to Larry Fitzgerald, but Larry's older now. D-Hop is a boss, and the fact that you can implement him into this offense, you see the benefits of it immediately, which just shows us more and more of like what in the world is Houston doing. But we're not even going to switch subjects like that. Let's stay focused here. (laughs) And I love the Cardinals going forward. I I think this is just going to give them so much confidence because this is a game they weren't supposed to win. These you bring you bring great players around Kyler Murray, 
And yet, you know, you say, hey, this guy can execute. You just give him the ball. He's going to make things happen. And I listened to what Mike Vick said about him last year that, hey, he's going to figure out a way to where, hey, I don't have to just run the ball here because it's designed to run. I don't have to just hold on to the ball to try and show that, hey, I can't throw the ball or be a thrower. But effectively using the timing of when in which you use your legs to break the pocket, which is going to make people start to come up against the run. And now you'll be able to get more guys open down the field. And that is how you're going to figure out that balance of when he's going to be able to do it and using his athleticism. He's going to be a real, real threat because of his elite speed when he's on the field. He has a hose, too. There was a couple, yeah. where, <laughs> there was a couple where he just went like this, and that ball was f- flat. Yes. I mean, an absolute hose. And yesterday, saw him slide in the pocket a couple of times whenever he was about to get killed. Now, there's always the awkward Peyton Manning fall and the Eli Manning fall and the Tom Brady fall. And Kyler Murray yesterday was sliding like in the pocket, even not even outside. Like, all right, I can't get killed. I understand that. But Kyler Murray has to see what Lamar Jackson has done and Patrick Mahomes has been able to do and think to himself, that could be me. But in the Cardinals, on the defensive side of the ball, they they paid Buda Baker. And a lot of people are very confused by it. Like, why'd you pay? Buda Baker is a game changer and then you got Chandler Jones over there just like what you said you're a believer in the Cardinals me too like I think the world is becoming a believer in the Cardinals because they're completely well-rounded Zane Gonzalez not gonna have a job for a long time kicking but they they (laughs) seem to be very well-rounded over there they seem to be a full team hey look I I like the Cardinals it's a really tough division I'm still going to take Seattle to win the West because of Russell Wilson and just his ability to just will his team over and over I don't know how he has continued to rise his game he throws the best deep ball in the NFL in my opinion and I just I still like Seattle but Arizona is a team on the rise it's still going to come down to can this coach get them going all right I still don't know about I trust the coach as much it is week one it is the biggest overreaction week like you just said (laughs) and now all these teams are in a race to improve to get better by week two week three week four you got to get out of this first quarter at least above 500 to give yourself a chance mentally as a team hey we need to get it going. And I think that was a swift kick in the, in the butt yesterday. The 49ers, a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. We've all been there. If you've actually been to a Super Bowl, you know what it's like. So it's just going to happen. And uh, I, But I do like Arizona going forward. Can we, Pat, can we not give all these kickers a break all the time? I saw a lot of bad kicking games yesterday, over the weekend, from college oh, yeah. to the NFL. Oh, yeah. it, it, Texas State's kicker, oh. I mean, I wouldn't even let him on the bus with me. Hey! I don't Whoa! Know. Whoa! <laughs> that was bad. That was a bad performance. I mean, that is a tough hey, – and by the way, Randy Bullock uh, with the Bengals, your number one overall pick. He has a game-winning drive at home, first game, like just did it, walk down, and then that happens. That is a tough, tough go. But, hey, first week, got to get the jitters out. Hey, got to get – Get the jitters out. We'll be back next okay. week better than ever. But guys going to start making kicks. Guys going to start making kicks. Right now. I am sick of it. What do you have, Connor? Uh, Roman, you just mentioned the Seahawks. Uh, how big is it for them to get a guy like Jamal Adams in there? And how does he change a defense? So I think he changed the difference because the defenses are going out of what you see in basketball. A lot more positionless football on defense. So now we want to have more guys that are just athletic, that have big enough size to where I can put them in the box, and I'm not scared for them. If a guard pulls, they'll be able to fit in the run right. They're smart because they can play. You know, the, I was always taught the further away from the ball you are, the smarter you have to be. So DBs were extremely smart. Of course. So he's smart enough to figure out the run game fits. He's also can play in the pass game. He can play man-to-man. He can blitz. So now we're able to put him all over the field, and you don't really know what we're doing or what we're bringing. And it's not just like we have got a lot of big guys out there. So more positionless football defensively when we're drawing up schemes. We just want a whole bunch of safeties and DBs and like smaller linebackers that can just run. 
and then you can put him all over the place and now we can maybe drop him in the middle of the field. We can also blitz him from a hash. You can do a lot of different things like that. I think that's what Jamal Adams really is. He almost reminds me, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but he reminds me a lot of myself. Play him all over the place. He can play some man-to-man coverage on tight ends and wide receivers in the slot. You can blitz him off the edge. He can do a lot of things, and he's also very viable in the run game. I, I just, I'm just saying. He kind of reminds me of yeah. myself. <laughs> That's what I thought whenever I watched him. Was you know what, Roman Harper, this guy, very similar. The the defense though, <laughs> the defense having to keep up with the offense though. That's why like Isaiah Simmons was such a big deal coming out of Clemson because that guy can move. What is he? A DN? No. Is he a linebacker? Uh, is he a safety? Nah, he's everything. And what you just said there about positionless defense is very interesting because the Patriots were going to pay a keep to leave, I guess, like six million dollars just to guard their tight end. And I thought to myself, well, that means if the Patriots are doing copycat league everybody else will be doing the exact same thing but you see it going in a different direction where it's like hey we just got 11 athletes out here our best athletes are either going to be rushing the passer or guarding the wide receivers and everybody else just kind of fill in there because if you look at the linebackers they've all gotten smaller they've all gotten faster and they're all trying to keep up with the offenses that are led by kyler murray mahomes lamar jackson and others joey burrow by the way can scoot scoot people forget about yeah you can that's so that's the future of defenses you think on the nfl I think the more you see offenses starting to open it up and go to a college-looking scheme, you got to be able to keep up. So you're going to have to continue to recruit and get bigger guys that can run and play in space. They have to be comfortable. You're not going to see the big Mike linebacker that's a thumper on second and third down because most teams are playing more spread out, more three wide receiver personnel. They're not playing as much, you know, fullbacks, things like that. So you have to try and adjust and stay ahead of the times. And then it also allows you, hey, when people get up in motion, all right, how are we going to handle that? Because now if my guy just goes over there with him, you automatically tell yourself that we're playing man-to-man coverage. So allowing it to be able to, when he motions, to let it eat on defense that, hey, we're just going to communicate across the board what's going on. But we all feel comfortable in playing against these guys or covering against these guys in space. That is where it's going. And so it's more positionless where you see now in basketball, guys can cover, can guard from the one to the five or from the four all the way down to the one just because it allows us all to play more. We can create more space. And that's what everybody's going no, to. I think no. that is where it's going. A uh, little caveat. I taught you something today. I always feel good, Pat, but I can come <laughs> on your show and teach you a little No, something. no. Yeah, but while you were talking about that, I was like, well, what teams are going to benefit from a defense is getting smaller? And I just can't help but think about the team that had seven offensive linemen on the field, two tight ends, and a fullback with a 260-pound quarterback that was running powers all over everybody. <laughs> that seems like the Patriots are about to just take advantage of That is a nightmare. <laughs> while you were... <laughs> That's all I could think about. Like Lamar Jackson, obviously, that they have three tight end sets and everything uh-huh. like that, so they'll take advantage of that. But with the Patriots, they had like maybe seven tons of human on the field at one point, yep. and they're all just running at like two people. They'll take advantage of it, and that's why football's cyclical. It'll all come back around to the run game at some point. Yes, it will. And you look at and also when you're counting in the run game against quarterbacks, we never count quarterbacks in the run game. Because it's 10 on 10, and then you always got to back a safety that's deep that accounts for the 11th man in the run game. So it, it really makes it tough. That's why those plays are so designed so well and set up for Cam yesterday. When he would go around the edges, they create a short edge, put everybody away from him, and then run around the end because nobody accounts for the quarterback in the run game. We just, we just don't do that defensively. So I know, I know a lot of teams are trying schematically try and change that as they play the, the Patriots. But the question mark still remains for the Patriots. I love what Cam did. But my boy Rob Ninkovich told me, who is he throwing the ball to? Great that question. That would be the question mark 
for the Patriots going forward. Who's he throwing it to? Who's he throwing it to? Who's he throwing it to? Who's he throwing it to in Carolina? Who's he throwing it to? 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 Who's we need somebody to be able to open this thing up. And not only that, but somebody, our defense yeah. in Carolina was pretty freaking good in 2015. Oh. I'm just saying. Yeah, Patriots, have a little respect. Is as good as the Panthers secondary in 2015? Well, Get out of here. All right, Roman, uh, we can't wait to have you back on. You're incredible. You look like you're in better shape than you've ever been. I assume somebody's going to call you. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowler, 11 years in the NFL, Roman Harper. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Man. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. No, we Appreciate you. Boy, am I thankful that football is happening everywhere except for in the Big Ten. Well, you never know. Today's the day, right? Aren't they going to – how long can they continue to, to play this out, though? It seems like – when's the vote happening? What are we doing? Uh, who knows? The vote was supposed to be yesterday. I guess it's supposed to be today. General Bob Carpenter's getting mixed messages. Everybody's getting mixed messages. But I'm very thankful that – Conferences like the ACC played mm-hmm. this weekend, and there was a barn burner down in Florida. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who I said on college game day, was one of my three locks of the week. They were at plus 11.5. They moved to plus 13.5, going down to play Florida State. I love what's happening down there in Georgia Tech. The head coach of that team joining us right now, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Collins. Yeah! yeah! Uh, Coach, I love the wreck everyone and leave a la Roman Reigns, who is an alumni of Georgia Tech. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You got to be feeling great this Monday after a hell of a kickoff to your season down there in Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. The guys played really hard under ridiculously hard circumstances. Uh, We had two weather delays. Uh, the game started at 3.30, and I don't think we got out of the locker room singing the fight song until like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, but it was a great experience. The guys played really hard, really proud of them. You have a young team. So whenever there's two rain delays and you're down early, we had a guy in this office who actually picked you guys to win outright as a part of his parlay. His parlay was a 14 parlay. It was at plus 42,000. He had won the first two games of the parlay. Then your game happens. You're down 10. He decides to cash out of the bet as opposed to letting it ride and bet on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, which I said was the wrong decision. How do you keep your team, your young team, kind of engaged throughout all the distractions and a tough start early, Coach. Yeah, well, one of the cool things is our whole offseason, uh, we started Club 1010 uh, with a house party with a DJ and strobe lights back in January and had a ridiculous workout, Club 1010. Everything that we've talked about this offseason, uh, gaining 10 pounds on average across the board as a team, finding 10 feet or 10 inches, which we lost three games by last year that kept us out of going to a bowl. Everything we talked about is gaining 10 the entire time. And we got to halftime and we were down 10. And we're like, fellas, this is the whole offseason, what we've been working for. Let's go. And they did a great job listening to the coaches' adjustments uh, and just going out there and attacking and uh, just, you know, had no quit. No, uh, you know, they didn't stop fighting until, the, until it was over. Coach, going down to, to Florida State and obviously getting a win like that, what does it do for what you can do to, to market your club, to, to recruit players? Like, how does that, like, how valuable is it, to, especially week one on the road, big time, high profile opponent? What does that do for you? 
Well, I think one of the coolest things is our brand has been elevated, the way we market, the way we promote our program, uh, and then have to have a signature win on ABC national television when everybody's been starving for college football. And there we are getting to show out on a national stage uh, and looked good doing it the way the guys played, the way they battled, uh, their energy, their fight, all of those things uh, just aligns with our culture and what we're about. And the second the game is over, our, I can't talk about specific recruits, but our phones are blowing up. <laughs> Some of the top kids in the country uh, just making sure that they're, they're interested and see what's happening here in Atlanta in the 404 and, you know, making sure uh, the brand aligns with the culture, which aligns with recruiting and all those things are at a, at a really high level right now. Your freshman quarterback has to be an easy person to pitch recruits around. That guy didn't even look rattled at all, and he started feeling a little bit more confident as the game went on. What did you see out of him, and what makes you think, like, this guy is going to be our centerpiece here going forward for the next couple of years? Yeah, he's done a great job since he got here in January. Uh, We won a late recruiting battle uh, to get him to come in, him and Tucker Gleason. They got here in January, so they got to go through our offseason. All of our culture-building workouts, they got to get a sense of who we are as an organization. They got six practices in. Uh, Then we had to go away for quarantine and all those things. They stayed engaged, stayed involved, and uh, he just had a really good preseason. My favorite thing, though, about Jeff – is even though he played really well, he made the offensive line protected him. The O line did a great job. Our receivers uh, played ridiculously hard, and we've got a great uh, group of running backs that surrounded him. He knew he didn't have, to, didn't have to force things. He could just play, let the game come to him. He did a great job with that. My favorite thing, though, he's blowing up on social media after we get the win. He's winning honors and awards and all those things, but. We had practice yesterday. Our, our process is Sunday practice. He was the first one in the building. He was the first one out to the practice field uh, after we blew the horn uh, to release meetings. And those kind of things, that matters more to me than all the other things with his arm talent, his great athleticism, his poise, his composure, and him understanding the moment and understanding that he needs to be first He needs to not act entitled. He needs to just put the ball down and go to work. I thought that was a pretty cool moment last night. Damn. Coach, do you think the best teams, uh, when you look at any level, are are run through the quarterback to where the quarterback is far and away? He is the leader of that team, and he kind of sets the tone. Obviously, it all comes down from the head coach and all the assistants, but that quarterback is in charge, and everyone listens to him. It seems like Sims, obviously, is very young, but he's already taking on that leadership role. And How valuable is it? Well, I, and that's kind of, and I don't disagree with the AJ. Um, still, I remember coming to Centerville, Ohio, when I was a young assistant to Georgia Tech, trying to recruit you. I did not win that recruiting battle. Oh, bullshit, AJ. Feelings right now and answer your question. Hold on, hold on, coach. I'll wait a second. Hey, did we see him at Plum High School in uh, No. No. Did he, no, he, no. he didn't recruit you? No, I didn't. He wasn't there. Wow. Really? Wow. That's what Yeah. <laughs> the way we've tried to build this thing, AJ, is with the big guys. We've made a huge emphasis and a huge premium on getting size across the front, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, we struggled at times running the ball pass protection last year. We struggled at times stopping the run getting any kind of pass rush, and we saw both of those things on both sides of the ball, both lines, vast improvement. 
We were running the ball. We were protecting at a high level, getting pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks, stopping the run. And in our locker room, it is the big guys that set the tone. It is the big guys that set the culture of this program. It's good that Jeff had a lot of success. We've got some other really good skill players on our roster uh, that do a great job with leadership. But when your team, your organization is run by the big guys, uh, that, that means a lot. And then, two, uh, Pat, we got arguably the biggest punter in college football. <laughs> Hell, yeah. In that locker room, too, now. Hey, he had a big punt there at the end of the game. Big fair yeah. catch after a penalty. He took you guys back. He kicked one out of bounds. Uh, then he hit a bomb for a fair catch. Presley is one of my favorite humans in college football at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's a great kid, great personality, mm-hmm. and just a huge leg. Um, but he's also very unselfish. Um, when we need the directional punt, when we need the situational punt, he does a really good job with that as well. But when he needs to get a hold of one and boom it, just like he did to, to seal the victory, uh, he did it. He made two huge tackles on Saturday, too. I don't know if anybody on the broadcast noticed, but we had uh, three kicks blocked. I don't think that was a big storyline. Um, but especially Hawkman was the one that made, made the tackles. And he will not shut up to me about it. Um, he needs to play defense. He needs to play linebacker. And I'm like, Press, you need to play D-tackle, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about those block kicks. Uh, rookie kicker. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, it wasn't a big storyline, but you yeah. showed a lot of confidence in a guy. A big kick yeah. needed to be made. Three very unsuccessful attempts, whether you want to call it low or your line or whatever it is. As a, rook, as a freshman kicker, National television, ABC, your team is about to upset a team and you're just not holding up your end of the bargain. As a mental war that was happening between that kid's ears, for him to come in and hit that one to put the team up when it really mattered, absolute insanity. Also, the trust that you showed in him was awesome. I assume this is going to kind of catapult him into a much better run as opposed to what he's probably thinking after three quarters on Saturday. Yeah, He's a big-time kicker. We've seen it ever since he got here. Um, he can drill it. He can hit the long ones. He's very accurate. Uh, obviously, first game, hostile environment, global pandemic. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of factors that went into all the things that happened. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to give credit to Florida State's defensive line. Oh, yeah. You look around college football or even in the NFL, when you go PAT or field goal block, for a lot of people, those are plays off. So hats off to Florida State's defensive line. They did not take the playoff. It's got to be one of the top defensive lines in the country, and they did a great job. So give credit where credit's due. Um, One was low, had some penetration on the other two, um, but just stuck with the kid. Um, We know what he can be. And Ryan Horton, our director of applied science, at 11 minutes in the game on the TV copy, you can see Ryan and Jude on the sideline talking. And he said, you know what, Jude? You've had three blocked. But guess what? That's not going to matter when you drill the game winner here in this fourth quarter. And right there at the eight-minute mark, Drew drilled it. So that just goes back to the love, the trust that we have in this organization. Uh, Everybody positively affecting other members of the team, coaches, players, players, coaches, players to players. It's a really cool vibe. Pat, you've seen it in person. It's real. The love that we have in this organization, the hard work that we do, and the love that we have for each other, you can't fake it. And when you see a team play like they played in the second half in adverse situations, uh, it's really cool to see. Now the question is, how can we build on that? 
How can we capitalize on this momentum, as AJ said, in recruiting? How can we capitalize on it? Put the ball down and go to work tomorrow, um, and we'll see what happens. You said you have a guy, a director of applied science. What, <laughs> what exactly is his role, and in, in how involved is he? So, so, Pat, you're going to have to extend this time. I need another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are all about data and science around here uh, in every single way, shape, or form. Every one of our kids uh, wears a catapult system, a GPS monitor every single day. We're one of the few college football programs that has every kid monitoring uh, their daily activity uh, 365 days a year. We invest in it. We make adjustments. You'll see this right here. This is my wedding ring. This is my aura ring. Uh-huh. That made big news mm-hmm. uh, in NBA. the NBA. 50 of our players, the ATL guys, have these rings. So we go sleep science. We track the data, uh, catapult practice games. We make decisions based on all of those things, all of those metrics. Um, even the time that we eat pregame meal, we altered that this year in the midst of a global pandemic. A lot of that was due to Ryan Horton um, and what we do. We do a no-sweat Thursdays practice. Uh, We do the fastest Fridays in football practice. So we're all in on data and science and making sure our guys are at their utmost, highest abilities when they play the game. And then even going into the fourth quarter, they're the freshest, they're the most conditioned, and based on science to get them there. Wow. Well, obviously everything is happening in a much more expedited time period than you would have thought, I would assume, whenever you were building your program. Massive staple win against Florida State on Saturday. Congratulations, Coach. We appreciate you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, what's the what's the chant down there? Like, go, go Jackets? Yeah, go Jackets. There's a lot more, but I can't tell them on the air. <laughs> go Jackets, ladies and gentlemen, head coach Jeff Collins. Thank yeah, you, Coach. Yeah. Woo! They, uh, that was a big win. That was a yeah, big, big win. building something. Though. It is. I really do believe they are. I said it on uh, college game day. I said it months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was right, though. Whenever you get down there and you kind of see the way the team is by, because I've always said this, AJ, and I think you've agreed with me, and I've it, at this point it's ad nauseum, but <laughs> if a team likes each other, like I just believe in that team. Like if a team likes each other, I'm like, this team is going to be good. That team, whenever I went into their building, everybody was just ro- – like I don't want to take P.J. Flexing, but it felt like everybody was rowing that song, bitch, in the same exact way. Everybody, same answer by everybody everybody looked happy and enthused and everything like that i think they're building something special he's a cool guy he didn't recruit me for shit though that fuck that son aj do you remember that so if he said he came to my high school i i am almost 100 percent sure that georgia tech never offered me so oh! i thought that was his call i'm sure he wasn't pulling the trigger on that one Hey, by the way, great academic institution. I'm not 100% sure how you were in high school, but I'm not 100%, 1,000% sure you would have been able to get in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My test scores might – I don't know. My test scores may have been okay. Oh. The Jacksonville Jaguars, number one in the AFC yeah. South. Yeah. Texans lost. Colts lost. Titans haven't played yet. The only team with a win, Jacksonville Jaguars, the same team that got rid of every single player that was good at football somehow <laughs> and still beat the Phillip Rivers-led Colts yesterday into oblivion, and it wasn't even that close in the second half after looking fucking good in the first half. 
Gardner Minshew, very good at football. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good at football. He'll make some plays, baby. Hey, Gardner Minshew's the new Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, if you're trying yeah. to tank, if you're a team that's trying to tank, a franchise that's trying to tank, the Dolphins last year were allegedly trying to in the front office. If you look at the moves they were making, trying to get rid of every good player, they were they didn't account for Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is a man who will run his face through a wall <laughs> if yeah. he has to to get a win, which makes no sense because he's Harvard-educated. He's probably the smartest guy in the NFL currently, but he will play like a dumbass if it means his team will win that's why he's played for all 47 teams in the nfl at one point now you look at the jacksonville jaguars front office trying to tank it appears literally cutting every human that's good at football get them out of here joe dirt was starting for their defense he got a pick against philip rivers in the fourth quarter that kind of put the Colts to sleep it made no sense gardner Minshew, though just like ryan fitzpatrick is going to win games for you yeah yesterday he went 19 of 20 or something like that mm-hmm. he was scrambling making good decisions and his leadership style is one that i would love he looks like he is having a great time all the time doug marone a coach who quit his job at the bills and has kind of bounced around has been very average with the jaguars since making the afc championship four years ago they all of a sudden have a team that nobody knows who's on a team i'm not sure they're spending any money at all this year which makes no sense and they looked really good at the football against a colts team that was supposed to be the most complete team supposed to have a great defense Mm -hmm. supposed to have a great offense special teams was good hot rod missed one a lot of people missed yesterday first game get the jitters out preseason can kind of do that let's judge them next week not this week even though a lot of teams probably pissed about their kickers missing (laughs) let's save it for another week because you know that's something you kind of got to get it out of you get it out of you a little bit i would assume but boy that jaguars team looked very good nowhere near would nowhere near be able to keep up with the good teams in the NFL. Right. Which is why it's so frustrating oh. to be a Colts fan because you watch that game and you're like, what would the Chiefs do against this team? Oh, probably buzzsaw. What would the Baltimore Ravens do against this team? Oh, probably win by 40. Sure. What would the Patriots do with Cam Newton? Oh, they probably won't let Gardner have the ball for more than 10 minutes because what Cam Newton would be able to do. Then you look at the Colts. You're like, what do the Colts do? Oh, they had to lead early. Then they threw a pick. Then they go ahead and just lose the whole fucking game after throwing another pick and another pick and their defense was just getting run through that is why as a Colts fan it was so upsetting because you thought about what other teams will be able to do to the Jaguars which we might be wrong but this is overreaction Monday I'm not sure the Jaguars are going to win a lot of games and maybe the Colts did that on purpose because they didn't want them to get the number one overall pick because they didn't want to lose to Trevor Lawrence for the next 10 Mm -hmm. years maybe this is big big brain football the Colts are doing as opposed to just playing checkers they're playing chess with this whole thing Colts might not be the only team this year to not punt against the Jaguars but they're probably gonna be the only team to lose to the Jaguars after not punting the entire thing. They didn't punt one time. And I've always said, you got to punt to win. You got to punt to win. That's just the way it goes. Shout out to us, though. Friday, we called that the uh, Jags and the Washington football team were going to be leading the division after this weekend. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are things that don't get checked enough, but whenever we say things like, go back and f- go ahead. <laughs> kind of fact check. shakes out that way a lot Go ahead and fact check. Diggs, you have some updates here. Yeah, a couple updates. Um, Austin Siebert, who missed a uh, extra point and a field goal uh, in Cleveland on Sunday, they, uh, they, they're bringing in Cody Parkey. He's oh. gone. Oh, geez. By the way, that's, that's the kicking life right there. Hey, you missed some kicks, you move on to the next place. The, the good thing for Austin Siebert is that a lot of kickers have been missing kicks and looking like bad kickers. And he's on a rookie contract still, so he's worth less than the veteran men is. I assume he'll find a home because he was good last year towards the end of the year. Just a rough, rough start for the Cleveland Browns in a game, by the way, against a team that looked unbelievable in every point mattered. He, the, the internet's trying to expose Austin Sieber yeah, for not oh, focusing. I just wanted to make some edits. I mean, he dyed his hair. He had a mullet at one point mm-hmm. in Cleveland. This is... 
All right, I'm gonna talk about it. Okay. Oh yeah. Everybody assumed that I was just. By the way, we need check marks on all these. <laughs> Everybody assumes that me as a punter, because now I talk literally for three hours a day live. I'm very active on the Twitter, very active on the Instagram and YouTube. Everybody automatically assumed that I was always like this. And I would like to say, en contraire, mon frère. When I came into the NFL, I just shut the fuck up. Okay, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, they drafted me to do something that I'm not great at, which was punting. I didn't even really know how to do the NFL style of punting. And the people around me that I was on that team, I just felt lucky to be here. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I am just going to shut up for the first time in my life. I'll be friendly with people in the locker room. But if nobody even knows that I exist outside of this locker room, I'm 100% cool with it. I used to go out. I'd buy shots for everybody at the bar in Indianapolis. Nobody even knew I existed. They thought I was just some frat kid with uh, my parents' credit card. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was 100% cool with me. To be honest, when I got arrested uh, for an alleged event, a lot of I, I punted in Super Bowl. Nobody even knew I was there. When I got arrested, people learned that I was on the team from that moment. Everybody still thought Hunter Smith, Hunter the punter who was on the Colts for like nine years or something like that but they still thought he was the punter because when you're playing with peyton the punter is not a position that is a desirable one which by the way cool with me they're paying me too much money to be doing what i'm doing right now i am not going to mess this up off the field so i didn't start being active on the twitter i didn't start doing anything off the field until i was good at my job until i realized okay i am good at my job i'm just going to shut up and that was something that i think a lot of people could potentially uh, learn from there. I think a lot of people have seen me, and this is me tooting my own horn, I guess, and a lot of people have done it, but my brand and build my brand and be active on Twitter and be active on social media. But I was not like this whenever I was not great at what I did because I very much understand, especially at a position like kicker or punter or any position, it could be Juju, who's a good wide receiver. As soon as you make one mistake or as soon as you are bad, if you're loud and vocal and doing a lot of other things, all you're doing is giving a lot of people ammo just to bury you that's all you're doing so there was a couple games where i was bad i guess whenever i was loud and i heard it from those people like oh if he didn't tweet he'd potentially be this or this i didn't start like really opening up and being loud and so i knew that those bad games were not going to happen very much like I, I when i walked on the field i knew what i was going to do i was going to be good and there wasn't a damn thing anybody could say about it there was this one time i did a i did a four city ten thousand ticket I rented out the theater stand-up comedy tour right before one season, and I knew that if I didn't have the best season I've ever had, that that was going to get mentioned to me, not only by media and by people on the internet, but also the front office mm -hmm. that was particularly in charge there did not love my style of comedy. They didn't buy any tickets for my stand-up <laughs> show. So I knew that if I wasn't my best, I was probably going to get cut. And that's something that I think whenever you're like building a brand or trying to build your uh, anything, especially in the modern world where everybody is trying to do that, like, yeah, you got to be fucking good. Because if you're not... All you're doing is giving people reasons to hate you, cut you, fire you, and never give you an opportunity again. And I think that goes completely across the entire board for everybody at every position. But what do I know? I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure. I just watch people do things, and then I watch people dump on them whenever they don't perform to whatever their expected level is. And I don't think it's fair, by the way. I think people should be able to live their life and do whatever the hell you want. And you can't just kick balls for 24 hours a day. But if you're going to become a personality at a position and you're going to start like, you know, having a good time off the field, everything's great whenever it's going well. But as soon as you start 
doing a little bit bad, you have to know and understand that people are going to dump on you. That is just what's going to happen. People are going to absolutely don't. People are absolutely going to come down on top of you. And you're giving people reasons and excuses to either hate you or fire you. And now the internet's trying to expose Austin Siebert for trying to do that this offseason, where he's worried about his Twitter account and his mullet more than he is about making kicks. And it's like, I understand what you're saying because he took four minutes out of his life when he was probably laying in his bed or a nice tub trying to get better, trying to do something. But that's just the way it is. Optically, that's the way it goes. And I very much understood that. And I, I think I even had a conversation with Peyton earlier. I was probably, you know, it was probably on his private plane flying somewhere. Yeah. Hell, good yeah. Time. Hell yeah. No big deal. But I talked to him because he had like seven commercials at the time, you know? And I was like, how did you get to just like the commercials? Like how, how, how do you become the face of every single company on earth? And he was like, well, I don't really worry about that, Pat. I just worry about uh, being good at my job and then everything else kind of follows. And he said, that's literally how I view everything. At that point, I was like, okay, uh, that's probably the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is probably. So I am just going to go ahead. I'm going to make everybody happy around me and I'm going to try to be as good at my job as I possibly can. And then hopefully everything else will come. And by the way, it actually does like that is i think you should get great at something mm -hmm. before you start telling everybody that you're doing something and i think that is is something a, a little less than i think a lot of people could potentially learn dicks uh different subject not you dicks well, like no no, yeah. well, no, no, no. I, I said that to you to kind of tell because you i mean you've been you've been very loud about a lot of things yeah <laughs> uh you actually host a gambling show yeah, called hammer yeah, don yeah. which is a great podcast mm -hmm. great incredible. podcast incredible my favorite gambling podcast hosted by you digs hammer don and this weekend on saturday oh, you up. did something oh, no no no, no this no, weekend no, on no, saturday no, you did something oh, no, that a lot of people no. started shitting on you for yeah. but you knew once you got into the hosting of a gambling show uh World, that anytime you make a gambling mistake, people are going to crush you for it. And it just so happened to happen Saturday when you lost out on thousands of dollars because you decided to cash out of a $20 parlay mm -hmm. that was at plus 42,000 odds. <laughs> and you and it hit, by the way, uh, but you cashed out of it early. And you knew the world was going to shit on yeah, you yeah. because you have the greatest podcast about gambling right now, yeah. Hammered Down. Yeah, not enough people talking about the 4-0 that, that had to happen to get there. But um, the situation was uh, won the first two games. Yeah, but who cares? Right. <laughs> who cares if I you do? No, I mean that's a good way to frame. So yeah, you're a first you can't place be, in the you race can't for be a, a little a gambling show host and go own four. Okay, I just want true. I mean, you're you're you, you were there. You, you have the sizzle. But you just forgot to stay. Need to stay. Because you're supposed to get broken off on that. <laughs> you know me. I'm a big sizzle, no steak guy. So Diggs, Diggs <laughs> took four bets that were all underdogs to win outright on mm -hmm. College Saturday. One of them was Georgia Tech over Florida State. Lock. That game was delayed twice. Yep. Florida State was up early, 10-0. Georgia Tech looked terrible at football. Florida State looked good. So Diggs opted because two other games of his four already hit. So he had two underdogs hit. He didn't want Florida State, Georgia Tech to potentially ruin his plus 42,000 parlay. So he cashed out, and he turned his $20 bet into a $200 right. bet. 10x return on your investment, baby. <laughs> but... Since Tony cashed out early whenever Florida State was up 10-0 on Georgia Tech, what he missed out on was Georgia Tech's <laughs> massive comeback yep. victory mm. and then Kansas losing late night oh. and hitting oh. for $8,300 oh, or something like no. that. So Diggs won 200 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But in turn lost out on over $8,000 because he <laughs> valued Christ. that $20 parlay <laughs> so damn much. Well, Diggs, you you know me. You yeah. know me. I'm a math guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was holding out. It was 10 nothing. I'm, I'm like, it's 10 nothing. I'm going to stick with this. And then Georgia Tech threw an interception. I checked the odds. Florida State, 95% chance to win that game. I was like, well, it's a 5% chance. They win this game. I'm going to take the cash out, $200. I need that $200 for my bankroll for NFL tomorrow. Smart. Because that's what my college is. I'm, I'm funding the bankroll for tomorrow. And as soon as I made that bet, as soon as I cashed out, I, you get, I got that feeling in my stomach when your girlfriend or wife or whatever tells you that they're late yeah. on that period. Yeah. And I knew exactly what was going <laughs> to happen. And then and then when uh, Coastal Carolina went up 21 nothing, I just decided to put the bottle to my head and pull that trigger. Yeah, you just chugged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, smart. I was embarrassed for you. I think yeah. we all were. Yeah, it was tough to swallow. But enough people time. aren't talking about you going 4-0. We have some updates here. Uh, Bruce Arians. Oh, yeah. Talking about Tom Brady. He said he looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of unusual to see that in a ball game because they didn't do things that we didn't get ready for. Everything they did, we thought we were ready for. So that's Bruce Arians saying everything that we we prepared for, by the way. This is the classic, didn't execute. We were. This is the classic coach speak of, oh, we had it all down, we just didn't execute. So that is Bruce Arians saying, oh, a lot of people are going to think that maybe the Saints confused us and we weren't prepared for everything. That was not the case. We were ready for everything. Tom Brady just didn't look like he looked in practice all week. And we'll change that. He probably said, and we'll change that. We'll move forward here. But boy, that's tough. Are Tom and Bruce on the outs already? Sounds Trouble like in it. paradise. Is, is the Tampa Bay Q Gronkineers uh, newlywed phase already over because of one loss in New Orleans? Or are these two guys that have been around the NFL for a long time won a lot and understand it might take a little bit for us to get on the same page when live bullets are flying, baby? But don't worry. Ask us how we're doing week 10, week 11, week 12. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back manana with another great episode. And by the way, guess who's joining us tomorrow? Aaron fucking Rodgers. Yeah. Hey, it's a good day. Good day. Uh, the NFL is back. Obviously, we had to overreact to it. Uh, and happy birthday to my mom. Once again, Sally McAfee. We'll see you manana. Gumpy, please play some independent music.